Well, good morning, You Hope Community Church. He is risen and he is risen indeed. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us in worship in prayer and fellowship and hearing the word. If you would put, open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10, we're going to resume our series on 1 Peter called Stand Firm. We're to stand firm in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So uh, we're going to continue on uh, part two of Jesus, the cornerstone of our identity and purpose. Jesus, the cornerstone of our identity and purpose. And identity has to do with who you are and your purpose is what are you here for? Who you are and what you are here for. And may I submit to you this morning that as we draw near to Jesus from Him, we get our purpose and we get our identity. Now, Pastor Wayne Cordero, in his book, Doing Church as a Team, he tells a story uh, the importance of identity and purpose. He, there's an old story of a rabbi living in a Russian city about a century ago. He was disappointed by his lack of direction and life purpose, and so he wandered off into the chilly evening. With his hands deep thrust in his pockets, he aimlessly walked the empty streets, questioning his faith in God, his scriptures, and his calling in ministry. The only thing colder than the Russian winter air was the chill within his own soul. He felt so enshrouded by his own despair that he mistakenly wandered into a Russian military compound off limits to civilians. The bark of a Russian soldier shattered the silence of the evening chill. Hey, who are you? What are you doing here? Uh, uh, excuse me, the rabbi said. I said, who are you? What are you doing here? After a brief moment, the rabbi, in a gracious tone, so as not to provoke the soldier, said, uh, how much do you get paid a day? What does that have to do with anything? The soldier retorted. And with the delight of someone making a new discovery, the rabbi said, I will pay you equal sum if you ask me those two questions every day. Who are you and what are you doing here? So this morning, uh, if you would allow me, let me be that Russian soldier. As we study 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10, who are you, What's your who's your identity, and what are you doing here? What is your purpose and what is your mission? So let's turn to our text this morning. Verse 4, it says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Verse 7, So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you... 
It's probably one of my most favorite phrase in the whole Bible. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we um, humble ourselves before you, O Lord Jesus, because, um, Lord, we are spiritually hungry, spiritually thirsty for your presence. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would satisfy us, that you would meet us right where we're at. Lord, that you would um, fill us with your goodness. Fill us, Lord God, with your word. We need a touch from you. So, Lord, we bring glory unto yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, let's just go straight to the point. Uh, we, we talked about this three weeks ago, but here is the takeaway. Here is the main thrust of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Draw near to Jesus to live out your identity and mission. Draw near to Jesus so that you could live out two things, your identity, who are you, and your mission. What are you doing here? Starting in verse 4, if you guys could remember, let me briefly review. Uh, starting in verse 4, Peter says, As you come to Him, who is Him? Jesus. Jesus is the living stone rejected by man, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So the idea here is that we draw near to God. It sounds like James chapter 4, doesn't it? Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. The word to draw near there is means to move towards a point of reference, to approach or to come near. And we are to come near to who? To Jesus. He's the living stone. Because of the resurrection, Amen. Because of the resurrection, He is alive and He is our living hope. And here in 1 Peter, He is the living stone. Remember in John chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus answered them and said, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So Jesus, He is this living temple of God. He is this living um, uh, house of worship, as it were. And if we draw near to God... If we draw near to Jesus, when you go to church, when you confess your sins, when you pray, when you repent, when you spend uh, Sabbath with God, when you um, read your Bible, when you pray, as you draw near to God, who is the living stone, you yourselves become like living stones, right? And who you are who you spend time with. You are who you worship. You know, Two years ago, 2020, when the pandemic hit, my two teenage sons, Judah and Noah, they were about, they're 15 and 13 now, but they were just teenagers about two years ago, and they started spending a lot of time with Uncle Jerome. Now, Uncle Jerome is from the west side of Waianae, all right? And so, uh, Uncle Jerome, you know, my kids are sheltered. They live in Hawaii Kai, they're homeschooled. So, Uncle Jerome took them to Waianae. You know, they took him to Tumblelands, uh, they took him to Makaha, took him to Yokes, Yokohama Bay, Makaha Beach, and they, were, they started really getting into the water and surfing and bodyboarding and just being in, in the water. And 
pretty soon, my, my kids, you know, they're like, hey, Dad, we got to go to the, to, uh, the West Side. And it's like, and they started, oh, brah, brah, and started talking, you know, with um, this kind of pigeon accent. And the crazy thing was, you know, we went to, um, we went to the West Side, and he said, hey, Dad, you got to try this place. It's called Vong's. It's a food truck. And the food truck, this is how I know they got inculcated into the culture of the West Side. There's a food truck with a long line, and it is fried noodles. Imagine fried noodles, French fries on top, and mayonnaise. That's right. Fried noodles, French fries, and mayonnaise. Probably the most unhealthy combination you could think of. But, you know, my kids started hanging out with Uncle Jerome. Uncle Jerome was like, oh, this is so good. And the kids are like, this is so good. Dad, isn't it good? I'm like, it's all right. <laughs> it's okay. So all that to say is, as they started hanging out and they drew near to Uncle Jerome, they started um, liking the same things that he did. They started liking the same food, started kind of talking like him and hanging out with him. As you draw near to Jesus, who is the living stone, you and I become living stones. And three weeks ago, we talked about the purpose. What is our identity and what is our mission? If you go through our notes here, the identity is that we are a kingdom of priests. All right. It says you are a chosen race, a holy nation, a people peculiar unto the Lord. This is who we are. All right, we, Israel, was supposed to be the visible reality of God's kingdom here on earth. They were to be a physical kingdom of priests here on earth. They were a visible reality so that when people looked at Israel, when people saw Israel and God's hand on Israel, they were um, supposed to praise God and acknowledge that God's presence was to be upon them because they were supposed to be a kingdom of priests. So that's their identity. What is their mission? It's to serve God in worship, right? It says to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And we talked about that, who we are. We have, we have this Copernican revolution. When we go to Jesus, right, and we draw near unto him, we go to church, we live our lives. We are a royal priesthood. That's our identity. Our mission is to offer spiritual sacrifice. We're to serve God in worship. In other words, we're not consumers. We're not here to take up space. We're not here to quote unquote, be blessed and oh, give me a good word and give me the worship better be good and the kids ministry better be intact and I better feel uplifted. But when, uh, where it's a taking proposition but when we go before God, when we understand as we draw near to Jesus, we understand we're a kingdom of priests and we offer service unto God in worship that we are giving unto the Lord, offering sacrifices. Hebrews says that the fruit of our lips give him thanks. We go to God to worship God, not to feel good about ourselves, feeling good about ourselves and being encouraged and uplifted by the Lord. That is the result, but that is not the purpose. And so uh, this morning, here's our main point, all right? Here's our uh, second application point. Live out your identity, which is we're the end time community of God's people. Let me repeat that. Live out your identity that we are the end time community of God's restored people, okay? 
Look at verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. It's important for us to realize that these are all these four descriptions, chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession, that these are um, Old Testament descriptions of Israel. But here, um, Peter applies this to elect exiles. He applies this to believers, specifically Gentile believers of Jesus Christ. You see, God's purposes in Israel was not frustrated by the unbelieving rejection and, and crucifixion of Jesus. Instead, the crucifixion and the resurrection, it was planned by God to be the weighty foundation of the stone of the new people of God and were to emerge after his crucifixion and his vindication. And one thing I want to notice, uh, note here is that, especially in this context, it, it refers to a community. Let me just pause here for a second. You know, I, a critique that I have of uh, evangelicals and church here in America is everything is very individual. Me, myself, and I. Who wants to receive Jesus as your personal Lord, personal Savior? I confess my sins. It's a personal decision. It's my personal choice. It's my per personal preference. And there is definitely a sense of personal responsibility. But over here, Peter, he describes their identity as a community of God's restored people. That in the end, God is creating a new heaven and a new earth where Israel failed, Jesus succeeded, and he prospers, and he brings a people of, unto himself called the church, and we are to bring spiritual sacrifices, that we are to be a community. There's no I without we, All right? And this is why it's so important that we commune together as a people of God. And what is our mission? What are we doing here? Who are you and what are you doing here? Here's what we're doing here. Our mission is to evangelize and proclaim the gospel. Look at verse 9b. It says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The word proclaim is the word exangelo, all right? It means to announce with focus upon the extent to which the announcement or proclamation extends. It means to proclaim throughout, to announce or to speak out. So if you think about 1 Peter 2.9, there's no such thing as a silent witness. We're to proclaim, we're to announce what? The excellencies of Him who called us from darkness into light. This is used in Romans chapter 1, verse 8. Your faith is proclaimed in the whole world. 1 Peter 2, 9, so that you may proclaim the wonderful acts of God. Now this word proclaim, it's used earlier in Peter in chapter 1, verse 12. It says, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So in 1 Peter 1, the prophets prophesied, 
But now the apostles proclaim. They evangelize. They proclaim. The, they preach the good news. They announce the gospel. It's used, this word uh, proclaim or preach the good news in Acts chapter 8 verse 35. Starting from this very passage of scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And it's also used in verse 25. And this is the good news that was preached to you. You can compare that in chapter 3, verse 1, and chapter 4, verse 17. So what am I trying to say here? What I'm trying to say is this. We are the end time community. I need you, you need me. We are the people of God. We do life together. We offer spiritual sacrifices unto God. But not only do we worship God and serve, but we need to verbal, verbally proclaim the good news of Jesus. You know, it was February of this year uh, Renee was out in California helping my parents pack up their stuff and um, I had the boys and I had Ezra. Ezra's a kindergarten in, in Cocoa Head and the teacher as I went to pick him up, Ms. Davis said, hey, uh, tomorrow is show and tell so you got to work with Ezra for his show and tell. He needs to know what, when, where, how, why. And I said, Ezzy, what do you want to do for show and tell? He says, I want to talk about the Bible. I was like, oh, Ezzy, you know, we don't want to be accused of proselytizing. We don't want to be accused of indoctrinating and we're grooming you. I was like, I don't know. And then Renee said, hey, babe, if it's in his heart to do it, just let him do it. I'm like, I don't know. I, I just don't want to put pressure on him. I was like, Ezzy, can't you bring a ball or a vegetable or something? No, no, I want to talk about the Bible. I want to tell the class. And uh, here is, I, I, here's a practice session that we had uh, the night before he did his show and tell. Come take a look. Today I'm going to tell you something about the Bible and it's my favorite book. And, and it looks like there's like one book. So like this is a, one page, but it's actually 60, 66. 66 books in here. And um, I. Um, There's the two sections are. Two sections are the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is my favorite page where Adam and Eve is. And he. Um, he and why me. I like it? And why I like it is because Adam and Eve got created by God. And God creative animals. I'm going to play this with a song. The, the B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, that's the book for me. I see the world of... I stand alone? I stand alone in the world of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Goodbye. Isn't that special? Now... The crazy thing about this is that Ezra, in his show and tell, talked about the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone in the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. One of his classmates, um, Malachi, 
told his mom, hey mom, you know, uh, one of my classmates talked about the Bible. I think he's a Christian. And so Malachi's mom, Michelle, wrote a note on Ezra's backpack and says, Ezra, are you guys Christians? Ezra did a presentation on the Bible. We just moved here and we are looking for a church. And so Renee texted, that was on a Thursday. Yeah, but we're currently online. There's a lot of good churches over here on the east side. There's New Hope Hawaii Kai, there's C4. We have a church, but we're only online right now. Pray that we could have an in-person church service. That was on a Thursday. Friday, I met up with the people here at, uh, at C4, with the Antioch guys, and we secured a spot. And you know, I told Renee about it. She texted and she texted Michelle, said, hey, good news. We, your prayers work. We found a place. And ever since then, um, Isaac, Malachi's dad, Michelle, Michelle's grandma, or Michelle's mom, and Malachi have been going to our church these last almost six weeks. And they got plugged into small groups and they're um, being part of what God is doing here at New Hope Community Church. How did that happen? You know, no offense to St. Francis of Assisi. Do you guys notice that when somebody says no offense, they're actually about to offend you? But no offense to St. Francis of Assisi who said, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. I get his, his intent. He's saying that, you know, your actions speak louder than your words. But I think he's completely false. Preaching the gospel is preaching the gospel. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15 says this. Verse 14, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. How will people believe? How will people call on Jesus if they have not believed? Who are we? We are a community of God's end time people. What are we doing here? We're here to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us from darkness into light. And I'm going to close in here in verse 10 with uh, one of my most favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I love that, don't you? Once you were, but now you are. Once you were, but now you are. You know, Tim Keller pastor and theologian, um, he says that there's about 4,200 religions in the world today. You guys catch that? 4,200 religions in the world. Only Christianity is unique. Only Christianity stands out in the fact that in Christianity, you become instantaneously something from one thing to the next. In other words, 
all the other religions that's ever existed, you, it's a process and you earn your way up to God. You have this in nirvana and you become enlightened. You, you work your way up, that you become good. If you're a good person, then you become this. And then you, be, uh, and you try to attain. But only in the gospel, only in Christianity, only in Jesus, from one, but once you were, but now you are. Once you're an enemy of God, but now you become his friend. Once you have been far off, but now you have been brought close. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's uh, going back to Hosea. And it's crazy how that works. It's crazy that God, from one moment to the next, He could do something completely miraculous in your life. It, you know, just like our church building, right? Uh, once, one Sunday, we didn't have, we were only online. We didn't have a space, but boom, we had a space. You know, October 7th, 2000, um, 2005, I was a bachelor. October 8th, 2005, I was married. Like, that's the MO of God. He could do something miraculous in an instant. And it's through the response in faith to the gospel. Um, I want to close with this quote by uh, Tim Keller. He says, Christianity offers a unique view of salvation. We are saved by sheer grace and Christ's work not ours. We cannot contribute to salvation with moral effort, religious observance, prayers, transformed consciousness. A finished salvation is received, not achieved. The finished work of Jesus is to be received. It is not to be achieved. And so this morning, um, who are you? Who are we? And what are we doing here? First Peter chapter 2, 4-10 through 10 answers that. That we are a royal priesthood belonging to God. We offer sacrifices. We don't take. We're not consumers. But we are servants. And that we offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. We serve God. We serve each other. We serve our community. And we serve Jesus. Who are we? We are God's end time community of people. It's not about me, myself, and I, but together we lock arms as the church. Listen, it's been said that Jesus, you know, if you were the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for you, which is true. But Jesus died to have a people. Jesus died to have the bride of a community of people, brothers and sisters in Christ, together, a people he gave his life for, a people like you and me, and we have a mission. What are we doing here? We're here to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us from darkness into light. We're here to tell other people about the good news of Jesus. And if my five-year-old Ezra can bring a whole family into church, and through show and tell, how can we not do the same? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we love you. 
We thank you, God, uh, for your word, and we pray right now as your, your word has been proclaimed that you would bring conviction, that there would be a persuasion of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, convince us of your truth, convince us of who we are and what we're doing here. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you his peace. We love you guys. Have an amazing week.